Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Iron Blitz, uh, New Year's edition, 2019, episode 254 in the house. We are going to have the WNFC Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, alongside myself, Oscar Lopez. Today's big show, we are talking college football bowls, key recaps today, NFL Week 17 results and playoffs for the wild card games, as well as we're going to be talking to, to Legends Football League, uh, championship head coach Keith Hack, former Chicago Bliss four-time champion, and in the house Hall of Famer Angelica Grayson of the historic Dallas Diamonds, Dallas Elite, and currently of the WNFC Texas Elite Spartans will be in the house. So it's going to be an, an exciting show today, uh, talking NFL, college football, news and notes as well in the women's game as things have transpired, including the uh, appearance of Brooke Leash of the Mile High Blaze now the WFA 2019 in the NFL playoffs commercial. So um, what a week of excitement that's coming up. Don't forget to uh, check us out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash great iron beauties and uh, subscribe to our Apple podcast. Also via TuneIn, Player FM, and right here on Block Talk Radio. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer and WNFC star here, Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics in the house. Holly, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's it going? Doing great. Uh, it's been a, a very good two weeks and almost 10 days off, so that was pretty awesome being with family and stuff and holiday shopping and all that other good stuff that happens during the December month. Yes, uh, definitely the same thing here. Um, I've enjoyed You there, Sal, Holly? Probably dropped off here, so we'll get her back on. Um, probably on the, on the phone. There you are. Oh, you went away for a second. <laughs> yeah, uh, you were saying that it was a great... Oh yeah, it was it was great to have some time off, uh, but now I'm looking forward to to see what the new year brings. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome, you know, with the uh, WFA, the WNFC, everything happening in, in the women's game, primarily for us as we cover that. It's gonna be pretty awesome. And then you got uh, in the men's game, we got NFL wild card playoffs coming up here, divisional playoffs, and then the expectation of the Alliance of American Football that we haven't even talked about yet, which will discuss in the next coming weeks here as it's supposed to launch after the Super Bowl. So that's pretty exciting. And Jen Welker uh, is going uh, going to be on the staff of the Atlanta Legends of the AAF. So that's awesome news as well. Definitely. Um, I mean, you know, for me, the more football, the merrier. And um, I'm kind of excited to see what this new league will be like and excited that uh, Jen gets that opportunity um, I think it's going to be an, an awesome 2019 overall for both the women's and the men's side. Uh, so I'm really excited. Holly, uh, any any bold disappointments here? Is We probably kind of figured out Ohio State was 
I mean, Washington was not going to be very much of a match to Ohio State, and that's what we're seeing here at the Rose Bowl right now. Yeah, so um, I'd say for the first, like, three and a half quarters, Ohio State put it on Washington. They did. Uh, Washington did come back and, and uh, make it a game late. Um, I think part of that, uh, Washington kind of got some confidence going, and part of that is I think Ohio State kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, so it did get interesting at the end, which is always fun in bowl games. Um, but, um, you know, Washington has a very strong uh, defense um, that they were stretched most of the game. Um, and uh, But, you know, it's it's nice for, for Urban Meyer to go out uh, with a win. I'm curious to see what he does next. I still don't quite buy that he's retired, retired, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, exciting uh, ball game coming up here uh, to finish up some of that. It's going to be the Sugar Bowl in uh, at the Superdome. It's going to be Georgia, Texas. That's coming up. Uh, that's uh, basically a matchup everybody was looking forward to here. So Bulldogs, uh, led by Coach Kirby Smart, 11-2, and two, ranked number five. And then, uh, obviously, Texas, led by Coach Tom Herman, 9-4, and four, and ranked number 15. So it's going to be a pretty good game tonight uh, as um, – that's what I'm going to be doing after we get off the podcast here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I again, I've um, said for a few weeks, I think uh, Georgia should have been in the, in the college football playoffs. I mean, I think um, they fought really hard against Alabama. I think talent-wise, they they have the the, the people to, to run with those top four teams. Um, do you want me to tell you the current score or are you, are you recording it or? (laughs) No, you can tell me the current score. Uh, right now, Texas is up seven to nothing. Uh, but it's really early. Um, Texas has, I think one possession and Georgia's had one possession. So, um, still really early, but I think it's going to be a good matchup because Texas, you know, for a few years here has really underperformed talent-wise, but I think this year they, they've played a lot better. So I think um, Texas wants that, uh, you know, milestone win to go into the off season to build upon next year. So it's really a big game for both schools, I think. Yeah, and it sounds like it's going to be something that we have to look forward to, um, you know, in, tonight, I think more exciting than the other bowl games. Um, you guys can get all the rundown on the college football bowl games via our partner at Twitter at Taclio, T-A-C-K-L-E-O, at Taclio. It's got all the rundown, all the uh, scopes of all the bowl games. Um, and so you can check it out, follow us at Grand Beauty, and then you can link it up right there at Taclio, who covers everything American football as well. So uh, thanks to them. Um, they're kind of keeping tabs on everything, and we'll be retweeting and reposting that stuff. So Keep an eye on the Sugar Bowl tonight and see what the result's going to be tonight. Um, Holly, uh, the the final, you know, for the championship here, uh, are you, are you, who are you taking in terms of the College Bowl? I think, you know, talent-wise, it, it, they're pretty evenly matched. I think, um, you know, the, the thing that I would say that would open the door for Clemson is the fact that, um, there have been some times this year that Alabama has had moments of uh, undisciplined play, which is not something typical you would see of a Nick Saban team. I'm not sure if it's just that they have a lot of youth, but there are definitely times, you know, um, in the semifinal game that Alabama just was not 
they were making like dumb little mistakes that Alabama teams don't typically do. There was a drive that they had like three false starts in a row that took them, you know, out of the, the red zone and, and little things that really kind of left the door open. So if Alabama plays on discipline, I think Clemson can pull this game off. But if Alabama plays for their full potential, I think Alabama will have the game. So either way, though, I think it's going to be a very competitive game, and it's going to be, they always play each other very well, and Clemson is not afraid of Alabama. And I think that's a big deal because a lot of teams lose before they even get on the field with Alabama because they're so intimidated. So I think Clemson is not afraid of them, and I think they have the talent to hang. So we'll see. It's going to be a battle, though. Uh, Holly, are you with the skeptics and all these uh, people that are, you know, that I've been reading on that says uh, this is just, you know, the the, the top four, uh, Notre Dame should have never been in that situation. Uh, they should have had Georgia in there. You know, the final debate as to, you know, we have Clemson and Alabama again. There will be no UFC to ever get in the in the bowl game, sort of like when we had, you know, a couple of years ago when we had Boise State with a great season, but it's never going to make it even to rep- represent the top. So, you think like there's two levels of college football now where the lower schools yeah. either have to up their schedule game or they have to shift conferences or, I mean, there's gotta be, the feeling is basically these teams are the dominant teams and uh, that's not going to happen in terms of them coming down anytime soon. I think there's actually like four levels of division one college football right now. And uh, so I think, you know, honestly, if it were up to me, I think it should eventually go to, to an eight-game playoff. I don't think that will happen right away because of all the TV contracts and everything that's locked in for a few years. It would take a complete overhaul and a lot of work and a lot of effort to change it before that happens. So I think more likely the contracts will end up running their course and then they'll, you know, readdress it. But I think what's happening is it's not just UCF that's left out of the conversation. You have the top four teams, but you have a power five conference type setup, right? So no matter what happens every year, there's one of those power five conferences that's left out, sometimes even two, especially like what happened this year. Uh, uh, in previous years, you've had two from the same conference, like the SEC get in, and then you have like a Notre Dame that flies in, and it's not quite – I think what happens is you, you still end up with the best two teams at the end, most likely, but the the semifinal games are not competitive. And that's that's what people are complaining about, I think. And right. I think that's if you I'm went about, to yeah. – I think if you – because of all the semifinal games, and I think all but like one have been like blowouts. And I think it's because they're they're – the two top teams are in those four teams, but the other teams they have in there to compete with those two teams are are not competitive with them. And it's tough because every league is different. What I do think is a problem with college football right now, and one of the reasons why you have the blowouts that you do is that the SEC and the ACC only play eight conference games during the season. And the other conferences like the Pac-12, the Big Ten, they played nine. And so what happens, and this has been happening for a long time and it's just never changed, um, is that the SEC and ACC, they have an extra, like, game that they can schedule a cupcake type of team with that's basically giving them an additional win over all the other conferences. 
And even though it doesn't sound like a big deal, it is. Because at the end of the season, nobody cares who you, you beat, so to speak. Uh, a, you know, let's say an 8-4 and four record looks better than a 7-5 and five record, right? But that is why the SEC, one of the reasons why they get so many teams into bowl games is because they have that extra win. And then plus they have everybody loves the SEC because they've always been so competitive and, and good and it's well-deserved. But so long story short, I think going to eight and having five, the five conference winners have automatic bids would actually make the conference championships relevant again because right now they're not. They really, those conference championships don't matter as much as they did. So that would make it matter. Then you would have three at-large bowls, and that would allow a team like Notre Dame or allow a UCF to get in there too. And what would happen is the Alabama and Clemson-type teams, it would make it harder to have to play three games and not two games to get there because no matter what, football is a war of attrition, and if you have to play an extra game at that kind of intensity, you're going to take some hits, you're going to have some injuries, it's going to be tough. So I think that would make it more competitive. So that's, you know, basically what I would say. I do think Notre Dame was overrated the entire year, <laughs> but that's because I think Notre think? Dame is usually overrated. <laughs> and I've been saying that. I don't know if you remember, but, like, I have this thing where oh, yeah, people you were in on the it. media, they, like, have this love affair of what Notre Dame used to be. And they're kind of like the yeah, Yankees yeah, yeah. or the Lakers where it's like, oh, it's like, if they're thing. even. Yes. And they're like, oh, my God, we want them to be good. And in, it is almost like an injustice to them because, you know, they, this was the best team they've had in, in a minute. But I don't think – if you look at their their schedule, they weren't very – I don't think they were really tested at all. And um, so, you know, that is kind of is what it is. I do think, you know, UCF uh, came in and played L- LSU pretty tough for about, I'd say, two-thirds of the game. Um, I do think they, they missed their, their starting quarterback – a lot, <laughs> but they did play hard and they played tough and they made it a game. So that, that speaks volumes for UCF, but that's how I would fix it. Go to eight games, make the, the other two conferences play nine conference games. Then the playing field is more equal. I think right now it's not. Holly, you should do like a college course on this and how do we sketch it and <laughs> fix it. It is a lot. That's literally a lot how it breaks down. The, I know. It's just like, there, it literally a lot becomes so pieces. complicated. Yeah. It's like a college course. This is going to be the, the criteria. <laughs> and then this is not going to work. It, We're going to skip this chapter. It is. <laughs> you know, and it, it's laughable, but at the same time, that's what makes college football, like, crazy but fun. No, right. Is that there's so it, many, it, like, it all You're chaos. always evolving and thinking. It's like, what if? Yeah. What could? What will? It's like, you're never right. going to guess. You know, it's like. It's like Georgia right now, right? They're probably kicking themselves and going, hey, we should have been in there given the fact that Notre Dame laid an egg with three points against Clemson. Right. <laughs> you would think that's what most people would have thought at this point. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what? When they laid an egg, I'm like, this is not even – they're not even competitive. What is going on with this? You know, but it is what it is. Yeah. So, But you know what? It's just the complaint is what? The Tigers and the Tide winning. The two meet mm. for, what, fourth year in a row now in the college football right. playoffs? I think three times for the title and one's in the semifinal. That's, right. I think, the issue that most people have is just the fact that it's just now a, what, a monopoly at the top. Pretty much everybody, well, you know the- good old boys club, and then just certain schools just get in, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I mean, it's East Coast dominant. That's what I'm trying to say. 
The other component um, to this situation is recruiting because uh, something that I thought was really interesting is when Alabama was playing in the semifinal game, their, their running back, Jacobs, was really – he played really well and he ran really hard and it was evident, you know, he had a chip on his shoulder because he was from Tulsa and Oklahoma didn't even look at him and so he definitely had the I'm going to show you what you're missing out type of thing going on. But he was a three-star guy and – the announcers were like, "Oh my God, it's amazing because there's a three-star guy, and and this is they found a diamond in the rough, and blah blah blah." I was like, "That tells you right all you need to know because most college programs are made on three-star guys. You know, most college programs get some four-star guys and maybe a five-star guy once in a while, but really it's like the three, two and three-star guys that are the bulk of many programs, right?" And the fact that Alabama is so used to four- and five-star guys that having a three-star guy that played well is a big deal tells you the discrepancy between the recruiting of Alabama and Clemson and everybody else. Because in college football, if you have the talent, that will, that will help a lot of weaknesses. If your athletes are better than everybody else's, even if they mess up and they're more athletic, they will – find a way to write the ship most of the time in college football because it's not like the NFL where the talent level is so close. There are, there, are, there are college programs that having that amount of talent makes a huge difference. So that's a problem too. Agreed. Um, don't forget to go to Zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauty. Check out all our stuff. I want to thank everybody that went through the holiday season and bought some stuff from us, which I really, really appreciate. It helps us spotlight another talented folks in 2019. And so go to Zazzle.com, use the daily code, save up to 20% off, and Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Go to the Facebook uh, page at the hub, Facebook.com, Great Iron Beauties. You can uh, tab the Shop Now tab. makes it easy and quick. And you can go there and get your no-joke football gear and take care of that for us, and we really appreciate it. Don't forget to uh, go to Apple Podcasts, tune in, Player FM and right here on Block Talk Radio and kind of share our posts as well so we can get the word out on women's American football. So let's go into the huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com. Like I said, it's save up to 20% off. You can also use Zazzle Black for about $9.99 for the year. So if you get hooked up now, you got 12 months of free shipping in the U.S. as well. So uh, let's bring in the Hall of Famer uh, of the Texas Elite Spartans, former Dallas Elite and then uh, Dallas Diamond Pioneer, and that's going to be Angelica Grayson in the house. Angelica, how you doing? Angelica, are you there? Holly, can you hear me? I can. Okay. So I don't know. Uh, let me see if Angelica's on. Hold on for a second because I thought she was on already. But let's double check here, see if she's on. And so, uh, but Holly, um, the uh, the scenario that's coming up for this for this uh, NFL Wild Card Weekend is really uh, really good. But the, it's overshadowed by Antonio Brown's situation. So um, I don't know if that's going to happen. But let's let's bring in Angelica Brown. We can get back to that in a little bit. Let's go back to Angelica here. Hi, Angelica, you on? Can you hear us, Angelica? I don't know what. Can you hear us? 
maybe you're muted, Angelica. I don't know if you have a mute on there. Let's try that. Um, let's see here. Let's find out. So I'm having like switchboard problems. Let me see if I can get her on there. In the meantime, uh, Holly, in the meantime, what do you think of this Antonio Brown uh, situation with Roethlisberger and the Steelers and Tomlin? You know, Antonio Brown is a, is an amazing talent. And um, I think I understand why he wants out, you know, because um, – I think the the Steelers window is starting to close, and I think Antonio Brown is somebody that really is self-aware of the situation that that he's in. I think he understands that since that window is closing, he wants to try to find a more competitive team. I'm sure there's some personal issues going on, too, because any time a window like that is closing for an NFL team and you have central players that have been there for uh, the duration of that window, there's going to be frustration because nobody wants to lose and nobody wants to be uh, on the back end of a team that was really great and now is starting to fall off, you know. So that makes sense. I'm curious to see, like, how it's handled. If they do find a trade, um, you know, they're going to have to find some value for him if they do go that route because you're not going to trade the best receiver in, in football for nothing, you know. So whoever – uh, steps up to the play is going to have to offer a lot. Um, so we'll see where he goes. But, I mean, any team that would be able to, to get him is basically getting the best receiver in football right now by far. So I think um, it's very interesting. I'm sure we're going to find out a lot more in the next couple of days. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't know how that stemmed out in terms of, you know, how that got out of hand and all that stuff because – you would think, you know, um, I don't know, is it wide receiver? You know, just I don't, I just don't didn't see Antonio Brown as a person that would just, you know, have so much, you know, you want to call it ego or something, if that's the case. But let's go into the uh, let's go into talk to Angelica Grayson. I think we got her on the line now. And then uh, in about a couple minutes or twenty something minutes, we are going to have legendary coach Keith Hack of the Chicago Bliss. We're going to be having him in the house uh, New Year's here as well. Angelica, how you doing? I'm good. I'm sorry. I was. I don't know what happened. I'm glad to be here. How's everybody? No problem. I'm glad uh, you did. You make it. Happy New Year. I hope you had a great holiday and all that. Well, it's actually one of the most challenging holidays I've had. My these past few days has been challenging. My stepfather passed, so it's been challenging, but I'm well, getting I'm through. Sorry. To, I'm so sorry to hear that. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Our condolences go out to you and your family uh, in this, you know, this this time. And, and and during the holidays, it's even more tougher because it's sort of like a special month for everybody to celebrate and things. So so we, uh, you know, our prayers go out to you and your family and and uh, just, you know, uh, keep a good spirit. Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Angelica, we're talking, uh, you know, this whole new change in women's football, the wave, the Jenkins yes. thrill coming up, and we're we're going in mode, you know. You got Welker yes. in Atlanta now, and so there's like yes. this huge, it's huge 2019 kick the bucket and we're in, and that's this is I supposed to be the the year to make it happen. So what's your feeling on all this stuff? Adidas, you know, uh, commercial. We got WNFC sponsored by Adidas. You got WFA stepping up with early schedule. It's like it's this. Yes. This is it, 
competition within the women's game. It's always a good thing, I guess. Gosh, I absolutely love it. It's it's a great thing, especially with, with playing so long. You go from, you know, paying thousands of dollars to to literally almost paying nothing to, to nothing at all is great. It's awesome. And for the new people that's coming into football and to be able to be sponsored by Adidas is a big, big, big deal, huge deal. And to look uniformed and to be alike and to be one unit and all have one goal in mind, I think that's awesome. And to all have one mind frame is to grow women's football. Uh, that's absolutely great. And to play with other awesome players and have a competition this coming up season is also going to be great. And we should see some awesome games and some good hitting and uh, not just that, some some Great sportsmanship to go along with it. A little trash talking wouldn't be football if you didn't have it. But it's going to be awesome. We, I'm definitely excited. Angelica, you come from championship type of mentality. The diamonds, legendary, and then you go to the elite. When you know with, within the Jenka era in the WFA, mm-hmm. going up, you know, to the mm-hmm. national championship, best of the West. So you're like no stranger in terms of your career to be at the big show. It's just the way it is, right? Well, here, here's the thing. I had never experienced winning a championship with the Diamonds, but I actually experienced, you know, playing with championship people, uh, if that makes sense. So having yeah. ha- being able to have that opportunity with the uh, with the Diamonds, I call them antique Diamonds, the throwbacks, the ones that help also bring me up. And um, to have played with the Diamonds knowing they had already had four championships prior to me coming to the team, um, was awesome. And then coming along and uh, having great leadership under um, Odessa Jenkins and among some others, and just to have their leadership with Jen Welter and, and just to name a few is is awesome to be acquainted with these people, to be with like-minded people who want to grow women's football and to practice like a champion and be like a champion, not just on the field, but off the field as well and within the community. I think that's what makes the Texas Elite Spartans, I don't think, actually, I know, that's what makes us um, set apart from other teams. And with the WNFC, I also know that these other teams are going to follow suit as well um, and make their team even greater than what they already are. Angelica, the whole WFA split, and then we go to the IWFL, and then you end up here at the rebirth, you know, of the birth of the WNFC. So this Mm -hmm. whole transition was sort of like awkward in a way, but then at the same time, you know, given we've talked to Odessa over the past, you know, what, couple years uh-huh. now, that this is uh-huh. where we needed to be at another level. We don't need to be at a recreational level. We need to be at a business-minded level. And I think that's really what, uh-huh. the, what, what, what the message is. Or, you know, when, if Adidas hooks up with you, there's gotta, they got to see value also as well because they're uh-huh. just not going to just hook up with anybody. Believe you have to have people in the front line that are willing to, to take that chance, willing to take that step. Um, with anything, before you get to the second step, there's a first. Um, so to do that, you got to be the first somewhere. Somebody, there's a first, and then you don't want to keep uh, doing the same thing over and over. You always want to get better. Uh, so, for example, you've got coaches that have coached 30-plus years, but I'm pretty sure every year they um, they get better. Uh, I, I believe it's, it's football for women. It's probably it's like computers. It changes every month. Uh, it's like Jordan's. It changes every month. So you, with the change, you want positive change. And there's, there is trial and error at the same time, but I believe we've seen a lot of error um, in the past decades of women's football, and it's, just, it's time to, 
you know, step the game up and let's keep moving and let's let's, let's all work together. Angelica, the uh, the call to the Hall of Fame was a surprise to you. Was it? How did you get that call? Um, it was actually uh, an email. I was actually at work. Um, I'm a teacher, and so. I was at work. I had opened up my email. I was like, oh, okay, you know. So I, I opened up my email, and uh, I checked my phone. I was like, oh, shoot, what? Hall of Fame, the first one? I was I was very excited. I was delighted. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm still honored. It's sometimes still uh, so surreal and unbelievable at times for me personally. Um, I love just, it's, it's, the feeling is still great, even though, um, I was honored November 30th, but it's 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 still awesome. It's still great. I love talking about it. I like uh, people just to just to hear her how awesome it is, and I want them to have that same experience, especially if they're they're a female, that they can do it too. You know, they can also have that dream of being a Hall of Famer because it was never a dream of mine. It ended up happening, and so just to be able to be a part of that is awesome. It's great. Now transitioning from Dallas Elite and all that. Uh stuff that happened now to the Texas Elite Spartans uh, 2019, mm-hmm. a lot of teams, uh, you know, in the WNFC, which the, with, with the setup, uh, it looks like it's, it's going to be a really nice setup in terms of regional competition. M- makes more sense mm-hmm. for everybody in terms of cost um, and things like that that have affected the women's game. So do you see that huge positive for the summer? Yes, I do. I think any positive move is positive. Um I think that just like in football, you know, you have your alignment, you have your assignment, you execute. Same thing with the business. You have a business plan, and you you go through it, and you execute your business plan. And if it doesn't work the way you see it, you tweak it and make it better. Um, I feel like that's what we're doing for women's football, and to have better competition or I'd say not so so many blowouts as we all see every year, um, to not have so much of a blowout or to just have some good hard-hitting um, athletes, I think that's what brings more people to the game is you see athletes, not just women. All right, let's bring in a hard hitter, uh, our Hall of Famer as well, Holly Custis here to pick your brain here. Hey, Holly. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How you doing? <laughs> good. Long time no see. I know, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh so I'm glad to have you on. Uh, it was awesome to see you down in Vegas. Um, yes, likewise. And, and I, I had a really good time. Um, and one of the things that I've been asking a lot of people that uh, have been inducted um, into the Hall of Fame is what has the funniest moment of your career so far been? The funniest moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Woo, hold on, let me dig. You ooh, he was right. You were right. Ah. Uh, let me think, let me think. I have more probably more embarrassing moments than I have funniest moments. Uh, you can you can bring one of those up too if you want cuz usually those are funny. <laughs> um well, actually, I do have one. I do a, a funny one. Um one of one of the funniest moments uh, when I was playing with the Diamonds at the time. Uh, we were trying to make a video to send to Pizza Hut, and we were supposed to, like, mm-hmm. win some money or something like that. And <clears throat> with the video, you had to be creative. So a few of us, on a, it was on a cold day, and it was windy, went up to one of our, our practice sites. 
and we put on our whole football uniform. And so in the huddle, a person says, uh, I forgot what they say, but when they say, pizza, pizza, hut, hut, hut. And then <laughs> we we do our play, and I play one of the referees. And one of our players, Tracy Williams, um, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Grandma Gigi, she's the oldest player on the team, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. but she does her thing, but she runs into the end zone, and then in real life she tripped and fell, for real, for real. And she tripped <laughs> and fell into the end zone, and then so Ray Lewis is one of my favorite players, and as a referee I did the little Ray Lewis dance, and so that was that was a really fun moment for me because we all came together on a minute, I said cold day because it's Texas, so anything to us is about cold. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a funny moment. That was funny. That that's 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 pretty awesome. I had uh, there was one time when I was in Portland that there was a, mm-hmm. a local band that wanted us in the background of their music video. So we had a mm-hmm. similar situation where somewhere out there I'm in some <laughs> music video of this really obscure indie rock band in Portland. But it was really funny. There was a lot of funny moments. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys had that because that's one of the, the best parts, I think, of playing is having those bonding experiences with your teammates. Um, uh, the other question that, that I had is, um, in your uh, career so far, who is the toughest team that you have faced been? Who is the toughest team that, that what? That you have faced been. Oh, oh, the toughest team. That, well, I'm at, right now, I'm definitely going to have to say Utah. Utah, yes, mm-hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. That was a that – was, that was tough. Besides the East and West game and the All-Star game, that was a tough game too, but this game was tough as well. That was I, a I back and forth game. <laughs> that I definitely was a back hear and that. Forth game. Now, going to yes. the, the All-Star, All-Star game, like there was no – there was no time to rest the play. Like, if you rest no. the play, somebody was going to score. Yeah, I don't and, know about you, but yeah. I was telling um, Oscar this when we came back. I mean, that felt like a playoff game. It did not feel like an all-star game. Oh, gosh, no. That was a battle. That was a that was a for real East versus West, let's get it. And you can you can honestly say, you know, one team was just better than the other team, hands down. All it took was a mistake, and then somebody would score. So yeah. that was that's definitely um, great ball playing from both sides of the ball. Definitely. Uh, so I, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about this uh, new league and this new year. Uh, what is your yes. personal goal for the year? My personal goal for the year is actually just get out there and just and, – uh, not only continue to learn the game of football, I want to continue to watch somebody else have a light bulb click. Not more so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, not more so about me, but more so who I can help bring be similar to me, if not better. <clears throat> excuse me. That's, so my, that's my personal awesome. goal is to make some. My personal goal is to make somebody else better. I think I think that's really important, especially you know the longer. That we we play as as veterans, it's important to um, give the knowledge that we've gotten from other people and experience, and and, and pass that torch along. Especially considering mm-hmm. we're in a new league, you know. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. 
Um, and what do you think we need to do uh, as a as a sport to progress? Do you think we're on the right path after uh, the awesome, you know, couple months that we've had, or is there anything else that you think we should be doing? I think we're definitely on the right path. Um, I know some people may disagree with it, but it's hard to disagree when you've never seen it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we're on the, the, the right path to get closer to where we're trying to be and it's just, just to be recognized. We're not trying to play with the men, uh, not trying to do that. We just want to have a league of our own and be able to just to play the sport like the next person. Um, right. I just, I think the women's national football conference is definitely going to be something great. And I can't wait to see what's going to become of it. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I, I totally agree. Um, uh, Speaking from that vein, uh, what do you think would be a successful first season for this league? Um, not as many blowouts was, is, is going to be something. Um, to, I think something else is going to be successful with it is the, the honesty of the league. Um, you say what you say, you, you do. You follow through with it, communicating. Uh, spreading the word out, being more positive, being out there in the community, doing things like that as a league is what's going to make us successful, not just one team out of the league doing all of these things. Everybody being on one page, on one accord, and everybody putting in um, their thought process and going and seeing what ideas would be better, what is good. And I think to have all the people that we have behind us is awesome as well. To have um, NFL alumni to get there intake is also great because I've never heard of seeing that in women's football as well. If it's been out there, I've never heard of it. But now that it's out there um, for the world to hear and see, I believe, I believe that, that that's big stuff to have some I agree. Um, NFL alumni to back you. <laughs> I agree. I think it brings some validation, um, you know, as far as people that have never heard of women's football and don't understand, like, where it's at. I think it brings some validation to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to end on a fun one. Uh, who is your uh, pick for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm, I, you know what? I want the Dallas Cowboys to make it, but I like New Orleans. I went to school in Louisiana. I like I like New Orleans. Well, it's, it's hard it, – who doesn't like Drew Brees? I mean, that guy's adorable. I don't understand how anybody could not run a route for Drew Brees. I think you're right. I think New Orleans, um, unless something crazy happens and, and the uh-huh. fact that they have home field advantage, um, I think they'll end up in the Super Bowl for sure. Uh-huh. But I'm really uh, excited that I was able to partake in, in everything with you in Vegas. I'm excited to see what the, the season brings, and uh, congratulations to you. Yes, thank you. You too, pal. You too. And I'll be seeing thank you on the gridiron here in a, in a few months. Okay. Sounds like okay. a plan. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Angelica, I appreciate it. I'm so honored to be here. Yes. Angelica, it's been a great uh, ride. Uh, continued success in the new season. Uh, Texas Elite Spartans coming up here in 2019. Uh, congratulations on your honor. Well deserved. And uh, we are looking forward to some exciting football coming up in the summer especially with both leagues, but specifically WNFC now with, you know, with what's going to bring. That's really what we're excited mm-hmm. about. Yes, definitely. And I like to say this and leave with this. 
no matter what size you are, it's not the size of the fight of the dog. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And I believe I'm a living representation of that. Amen. Amen. Preach, woman. Preach. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Uh, uh, email me. Call me anytime. And I appreciate you guys. All right, Angelica. Thank you. Have a great uh, weekend and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, like, once again, prayers, condolences to your family. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. All right. Holly, so that was Angelica Grayson, um, Texas Elite Spartan, WNFC, former Dallas Elite of the WFA, champion there. And like you said, to start off with the pioneer group of the Dallas Diamonds. So a really, really uh, awesome baller. Uh, definitely. Um, and her saying definitely fits her. Um, she's not the biggest one on the field, but she plays a lot bigger than her actual size. Um, and she's uh, pretty damn feisty and and hits really hard. So um, I think it's it's awesome um, that I get to be in the same class as her. All right. So uh, coming up next here, the second No Joke Football Huddle uh, interview, and uh, that's sponsored by Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauty. You can go there, get your leggings, T-shirts, and all that good stuff, help support the uh, awareness project. So let's bring in legendary coach and four-time titleist of the Chicago Bliss, Mr. Keith Hack. How you doing, Keith? Good. How are you? How you doing today? Uh, how was your uh, holidays? Good? It was wonderful. Other than watching uh, Notre Dame get killed. Um, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Uh, I, I respectfully disagree on Notre Dame being overrated. Um, you know, you look at their schedule and they, you know, they, everybody says, oh, they weren't tested, but they played out of their 12 game schedule. They played eight bowl teams and two teams that didn't go to the bowls are Florida state and USC who normally always go. So, you know, they played a competitive schedule, and they just, you know, the last time they played Clemson, they lost by a two-pointer a couple of years ago. So it's, it was just one of those games. It's Clemson just took it to them, and, and Notre Dame didn't capitalize. And, you know, Clemson's a, a very good team, and it was just not a good day for Notre Dame. No, no, it wasn't. But you know what? It, it is what it is, and so we're looking forward to, you know, Alabama Clemson. That's going to be pretty much a, a really good fight as well. Yeah, that'll be a good game. Um, it's the game everybody kind of, you know, expected in the beginning of the season. It's coming to fruition now, and I think Clemson's got a really good chance with uh, with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That changes everything with them. Uh, Bryant only could get them so far, but this kid Lawrence is the real deal. He could he could probably play in the NFL tomorrow. Uh, Keith, I wanted to bring you on because uh, you – posted it out there, I'm leaving the Legends Football League, 10-year anniversary, and it just seems like Huey leaves, and then Bizov leaves before that, and your your tenure there in the last four or five years has been exceptional in terms of accomplishments, and you've elevated every Chicago Bliss team uh, on with a different quarterback, sort of like a, a Belichick mentality in a way where next man up. You, you had uh, Barkley, you had Furr, then you took on Caldwell. Uh, I mean, just uh, we've talked to Allie before, Allie Alberts here, and she, she's only spoken great things about you. Every other player that's played for you has spoken great things about you. So, you know, what is it about you? Is it ju- your style? 
Is it just the fact that you're so demanding and they, they just elevate their, their level of play? Well, I think from the very beginning, you know, when we, when I first got involved in the LFL, you know, I didn't treat them any different. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you're a football player. You're not a female football player. You're a football player. And I think that's one of the things that happens in this league too often is that these coaches are so accustomed to, you know, coaching men that they tend to look down on the women playing and nothing could be farther from the truth. These, these girls, these women, you know, they're just as knowledgeable and competitive as any guy I've ever coached. And I've always approached it that way. And, the way I look at football, I, I prepare religiously. I watch film. I, all the coaches that I've ever had with me, we do the same thing. We break down film. We develop game plans. You know, we're always, like, ahead of the game when it comes to the, uh, coaching against these other teams. And the girls, we again, we demand so much of them, not just physically but mentally. You know, we teach our girls the game of football. And, and that's the thing with the Bliss, that if you watch our games, you don't see them – you know, losing track of, like, if it's third and ten or fourth and ten and the, and the ball snapped, they seem lost out there. They they always understand down and distance, you know, uh, time management, stuff like that. It's, it's because of how we have always taught them. It's just to raise the bar. I've said it for the last couple of years. I'm a true believer that women are the future of football. And not only from a, from a, uh, a fan standpoint, but a, from a participation standpoint. No, right, and I think that's the key because, I mean, the the platform is there. I don't know if it's internally the, you know, the ownership that doesn't understand it, but you, you have, you know, excitement within that brand, and you had only key teams. Well, you know, you had yourself, Atlanta, then you had uh, Los Angeles and Seattle, and there was a couple, you know, coaches that you obviously knew that they were going to bring in every game. But, you know, your team was kind of unique in a way that it was – sort of stayed at the same level year in, year out. Well, everybody else either dropped off a little bit. And so, but, you know, the players are, the players that played for you is what I'm trying to say is all of them at some point just stood out, you know, Chantel Taylor, um, you know, just what a beast on defense. Uh, Morrison. I mean, you got, you had a, a lot of players that you basically made the LFL brand what it is, but your players stood out as these beasts on the field. Yeah, you know, we always approach things, you know, even on our tryouts, we weren't looking for football players. We were looking for athletes that we could turn into football players. And, you know, there's a couple things we always talk about with the Bliss is ABR, which is a, a kind of an internal joke of ours. It's, it's ABR stands for always be recruiting. We were never satisfied. It didn't matter if we were undefeated. We were always out there looking for the new player, the new new the new Heather Furr, the new Allie Alberts, the new Christelle Harris. We were always looking to raise the bar. We didn't care how good we were. The other thing we always joke about is, is we say there's hitters and hitties, and you're one or the other, and you cannot have a team of hitties. You need to have a team of hitters, and we would identify those. And if you were a hitty, you can't play for the bliss. You just can't. And I think that sometimes too often or not in the LFL um, – they get caught up with the overall look rather than the actual quantity or quality of the player. And, yeah, we were very fortunate with the Bliss. We had outstanding players that also met the look of the league was looking for. But I think too many teams got caught up with that. And 
then they would just get run over by us because we're playing football. You know, they're they're trying to look pretty. We're playing football. Keith, what do you say of ownership? Uh, you were going to go to the leggings. The transformation of the brand was hyped up, and all of a sudden it gets retracted. I mean, that was, to me, it was kind of disappointing. You hype all this stuff, all this change and everything, and you seem to evolve to a different brand. You went from the lingerie namesake to the legends, and all of a sudden you're making changes, and then you you end up kind of regressing in that way. Is that why maybe you decided to kind of leave because the vision is not changing? Absolutely. I just felt that the league, you know, we were all in this to try to, you know, expand the league and grow the league. That's not the intent of the LFL, regardless of what the ownership says. They're perfectly content with eight eight teams, you know, and and when one team, when one venue falls through, then they pull the team and they move on to another city. That's the, strictly what the LFL is all about, is the venue. But when they went to the leggings, you know, the promise was, okay, we're moving forward, moving forward. And then to pull the plug on it midway through the season, citing – some bogus fan poll, and basically the perverts won. That's what it's all about. You know, they want their ass shot at the game. They don't care about the football. You see all these ridiculous posts on the Internet about, you know, oh, I'm not going to come to a game anymore because they're wearing leggings. Well, then you were coming to the game for the wrong reason. And the, the football purists of us, you know, yeah, we understood it was an uphill battle gaining, you know, real respect, but – you know, I coached arena football, and when former players of mine would come to the games, they would be amazed at the quality of the player. And that's what we wanted to get across, not about the, not about the thongs that these girls were wearing. It was about football. And when we were told that, oh, yeah, we're going to be going to the leggings, we were, we were all on board. Okay, this is great. This is awesome. We're finally going in the right direction. And to pull the plug halfway through the season was complete BS. And, and it just showed me once and for all that the league has no interest in, in, you know, expanding women's football and the brand, as they all say, the brand. It's a bunch of bullshit. It, it has nothing to do with that. It's all about making money for one person who, regardless of what anybody says, it's not about expanding or growing women's football. And when they went back to the, 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 the shorts, that told me once again, this league is never going to do that. It's not. It's never going to do that. It's never going to pay the players again. It's never going to do that. All making money for one person and one person only. Uh, Keith, you and I and everybody else knows that uh, I've been blacklisted since day one, since Wallen was there, since uh, Rock was there. And that was because I challenged Mitchell on the fact that, you know, how do you get to the next level? You hype everything. Eight years out, you had MTV, you had all these deals that apparently were going to go through. And you never got to another level. So a serious level is my attitude. And to to your point, yeah, the, it was never going to be a sharing mode. If it was a sharing mode, I think at this year, if it was, it would have been larger than what it the one it is right now. It would have been huge. But I think the you know the owner of this league really has to look himself in the face and basically just did himself an injustice himself. Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as blacklisting, I, I, you know, I could care less about, you know, what the LFL or the ownership of the LFL thinks of me. I'll never go back to that league. And I just got sick and tired of all the lies. It, it, you know, every year it's the same thing. 
It's it's bobbleheads. It's calendars. It's video games. It's all-star games that never come to fruition. It's the same thing every single year. The league is never going to grow, and it's because they just want one guy making all the money, and that's it. And, you know, the, the league is, is, it is what it is. It's, it's in eight teams, eight leagues, uh, eight, eight teams eight, in, in eight cities, and each team only plays four games, and it's never going to expand. It's not. And, and all these players are getting lied to over and over again. And as, as I referred to earlier about a, a Bliss slogan, the ABR, that we used to always say, we basically stopped recruiting last uh, two years ago because I got sick and tired of lying to players about what this league was going to give them. It doesn't give them anything. These players get nothing for playing in this league other than uniforms, and the league pays for travel and hotels. That's it. And, and most of the time, the travel, the girls have to get up at the 3 o'clock in the morning to catch a 5 o'clock flight on the same day of a game because the league is too damn cheap to buy tickets for these girls to come in the night before the game and play a football game and then fly back. No, instead, you get the owner of the league yelling at the teams about the brand. Well, stop flying girls in at 4 o'clock in the morning the same day of a game so you could save $20 on a ticket. It's that kind of stuff. Nothing ever changes. It's the same crap year in and year out. Every game he stands up and forth before both teams, and we do this, this uh, broadcast rehearsal bullshit where he sits there and tells all these girls about the brand and we're improving, we're doing this, we're doing that. No, we're not. That's all we're doing is lying to them year after year after year. Nothing is going to change. He's the only one making money, and that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about expanding the brand. He doesn't care, uh, care about expansion. He doesn't care about any of that, and it's all a lie. And I wish these players would wake up and finally see this. Keith, um, at this point, with all your accolades, with everything football mindset, I mean, you, you've set the benchmark so high that I don't even think anybody's, if it goes any longer, I don't think anybody's going to get to that level. I mean, Michelson, to me, was – uh, supposed to go to this global theme, which is another lie, as you're claiming here, and he's back in Seattle. And it's like, yeah, okay, I, I, so I what happened to that, I, you know? Yeah, I can't believe he came back. I, I just can't believe it. And you know what? I'm not going to say stuff about Chris. I like Chris. He's a friend of mine. I'm just I'm stunned that he came back to coach in the league. I really am. And I'll just leave it at that. It's just – I just shake yeah, my yeah. head. You know, I, I was just in L.A. this past weekend, and I had uh, a, a bunch of us, Tui, Eddie Chan, who used to coach in L.A., Biz, used to coach in L.A. We all got together and watched the football games, and we were sharing some good legends, LFL stories that, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what they were telling me, but we could all, we're all in agreement on what we feel about the LFL. And, you know, I, you know, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it's disappointing. It really is because yeah. I felt for a long time this league had such enormous promise. It really did because, as I said, women are the future of football. Do I feel it's the 11-on-11 version of women's football or the Legends 7-on-7? No, I don't. I think there's a combination. There's a game in there somewhere. Who knows, too, that it's very entertaining that it is very competitive, shows the, the quality, athleticism of these of these football players that people will enjoy watching. And, you know, we were all sharing these stories this past weekend, and we all said the same thing. The league is never going to go anywhere how it's, how it's currently owned. 
that that it's perfectly it's just perfectly happy how it is. And you know, it's disappointing because I put so much time and effort into this thing and, and to see it basically the same thing it was eight years ago. And it, we actually at one time we had twelve teams, now we're down to eight. And it it's just it's 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 very disappointing. It really is. All right. I mean you're a realist, so that's that's the key right there for it. Um let me bring in Holly, pick your brain, and see what she thinks. Uh, Holly, go ahead. This is Keith, Keith Hack, uh, obviously four-time title of Chicago Bliss of the LFL. Hey, Coach. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Um, uh, I just want to say – I just forget what you said about Notre Dame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. Um, you know, to be fair to me, you have to admit that there's definitely this Notre Dame nostalgia thing going on with the media – and even when they're, like, mediocre, it's like, oh, my God, Notre Dame. <laughs> it gets kind oh, of yeah, annoying yeah. for people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. It's because, you know, they still think it's 19, you know, 87, you know, 88 all over yeah. again. So. Even even my mom, my mom's a Notre Dame fan, and, and uh, even that was kind of annoying. <laughs> but, um, you know, that being said, it's really interesting uh, uh, listening to you talk because one of the things for me being uh, – a full kit type style football player is I've had friends that have played in the LFL and they've heard many stories. And for me, it's always been frustrating because I feel like at the end of the day, it's, it's been a disservice to the players. And I really feel like there are athletes in this league and I don't think they quite even understand that they're not being treated well. And um, it's really frustrating. So I'm like, gosh, like, it would really, I would be really upset if I spent as much effort and time as I do in my sport and in, in their arena and got treated like that. I'd be very upset. And I think it's a disservice to, to the athletes, and I don't think the league treats them very well. I never thought that. Um, I'm also, I think, on the social media ban list. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think you're right in that. It was very evident to me early um, as an onlooker, onlooker to this league that the, the goal was not about the football. It was about basically being a model on the football field. And that bothered me because I'm like, that's, that's selling these women short. There are so many women that I know work really hard, and they work really hard physically and mentally. They put in a lot of time and effort, and they deserve to be treated like an athlete like they are. And so I'm glad to hear you say that because it's something I've always felt too. Um, and I think you're right, even from a business standpoint, because I don't feel like the way that they have everything set up, it's evident that they don't care about um, progression. Uh, so I totally am 100% with you on your feelings with that. Um, my questions for you are, what are you going to do now? Well, I, I've had some offers from arena to return to the arena leagues. Um, I've actually had some high school offers also. I really don't want to get involved with high school football. Um, you know, I guess I'm a little too fiery for high school football, and I don't want some mom coming down to the sidelines telling me to go play their kid, you know, if I don't think he's very good. So I don't think I'm going to do the high school. I think I'm going to do – I might just do the – but – you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I, I did the LFL for a long time. I coached arena football for a long time. And I, I might just take a break, you know, just, just take a year away from football for a while. I think I'm just 
you know, this the last couple of years of the LFL were very dramatic for us, and and mainly for a lot of the reasons why you just spoke on. It's just how the players were treated, and you know, we did a lot of stuff with the Bliss to try to shield them from a lot of that stuff. People just don't understand, like a lot of the stuff that goes on in the LFL that is completely unfair. Every player has to sell a certain amount of tickets. You know, otherwise they're, they're going to be banned. They won't be able to play. You say anything negative about the league, they'll suspend you. You know, and to be on an LFL blacklist is almost an honor roll, honestly, because everybody <laughs> who, who's sick and tired of the LFL house run gets blacklisted. So I hope I'm on the top of that list because I have no interest in promoting the LFL ever again. You know, Keith, welcome to the club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I and and and. I tried for a long time to talk to the ownership and say, this is what we need to do. We need to do this to, to, to move forward. You know, being in an arena and seeing how, you know, I understand that minor league football, that you sometimes you run on a pretty skimpy budget, and but there's ways to do it the right way. And, you know, to, to ban these girls for the stupidest things and to suspend them for the stupidest things, it's just complete BS. And how these players are treated. People need to wake up and see what the LFL is, what's really going on. And, and I, I, you know, I, I, I told the Bliss, you guys do whatever you guys want to do. I'm not going to tell you to play or not to play, but I have my own feelings on it. And I, I, I would not endorse anybody to play in the LFL under its current ownership. It's just, it's what, what, what could have been a great thing is not a great thing right now. And I think it's like you said, the players are not being treated fairly. They're not. And there's a lot of great people in the LFL from a coaching standpoint who are trying to push the football, you know, expand it and make it to where you have that happy medium of very good football, but also entertaining and cosmetically what fans want to see. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but it is what it is. They are trying to sell a ticket. But you can do it and have great football, too. And, and the league just doesn't believe that. You know, they have these ridiculous um, – one of the things that finally drove us off was that they put a mandate in to have the girls have a three-month off-season program of, of off-season conditioning and workouts with the coaches. And I told them, I said, you're, you're asking these girls to have three more months. They already practice six, seven months a year, twice a week, for four games. Who does that? It, it's, it's ridiculous. And they're not even getting paid. And it, he was like, it's mandatory, otherwise they're not going to be able to play in that. When you start hearing that kind of stuff, it's like the league is run by someone who doesn't know football. And, that, and, and that's the sad part about it. So you know, sorry to go off on that tangent, but, you know, I, I just I, I, I feel that it's, it's, it's a, a real injustice to those players. That, that's pretty crazy because, you know, for a four-game season, yeah, that that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but Let's have our trial in January, and we start practicing right. in February. You figure our season right. usually goes first week in September. It's just insane. Right. You know. Do you think um, – that there's anything salvageable of the people that are remaining in that league, or do you think it's one of those things that it's it's just going to kind of it's going to go until the wheels fall off? Well, I, you know, I don't know because every year, you know, they they manage to you know rope in new players and new coaches, and, and even though the some of the best coaches have quit, um, 
it, it's 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 hard to say. You know, most all the basically all the people that were ever involved at the beginning of the LFL are gone. They've all quit. Um, some of the names you had mentioned before, you know, Wallen and Justin, those guys are all gone. They all quit, and they're they're probably on the blacklist too, because they they feel the same thing about the LFL as I do. And you know, if an, if another league popped up. 99.5% of the players and coaches would quit the LFL and instantly. And I know that for a fact. So, you know, they're all, they're, they're dreaming for another league. They really are. Coaches, players, staffs, they're dreaming of another league to finally come to fruition so they can go play somewhere where they're at least appreciated. Right. That that makes total sense. Um, I'll leave you with a good one. Uh, who's your pick between Alabama and Clemson? I'm going to go with Clemson. But Trevor Lawrence is a difference maker. I, it, um, they have the defensive line that shut down Alabama's run game and it's too easy to throw. Um, and it, it's, they, have the, they have the team, the athletes, and I know you mentioned recruiting. There are four or five-star guys all that team for Clemson and the same thing for Alabama but I think Trevor Lawrence he's 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 the real deal and I think that uh the weakness if there is a weakness in Alabama it's their secondary um I think that's going to be where the game is one loss for Clemson I I agree and um I really think that the fact that Alabama made so many little dumb mistakes in the semifinals is concerning if you're uh, an Alabama fan. They seem to lose focus a bit, and they don't usually do that. And I think Clemson looks a bit more focused. So it should be fun, but I'm glad to have had the chance to talk with you. Um, I got to bounce. I got some stuff to take care of because, you know, New Year's Day. Um, But I wish you the best, and I hope to to follow to see what what you do next. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Keith, uh, I really wanted to bring you on because you're such a focal uh, point of the LFL for so long, and I wanted to give you your due on that because it's one of those things where, um, I I mean, I've been doing that for a long time, but reality is what it is. Internally, that's what it is. And unfortunately, you know, uh, I just, I wanted to bring you in just to kind of give you the the platform, but at the same time also so so that your players know that uh, all the players that you've coached, obviously uh, benefited in some way or uh, or another, not just on the football field, but off the football field. And I've had that conversation, you know, direct message with a lot of players. So you uh, you have impacted a lot of lives in your tenure there as well uh, in terms of changing, uh, you know, players from not knowing any football to being rigid enough to know football and, and use that in their everyday lives. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. I mean, people need to understand that I – I did coach before the LFL, so <laughs> I will go back to uh, possibly go back to my arena days. Um, but you know what, the LFL, I, I I had a great time. I really did. I met some phenomenal people, and, and you know, as much as as you know, Mitch, I don't agree with how the future of the league is. I do thank him for giving me the, the opportunity to coach in the league. I do. I I, it, I just wish things were, and it's never going to change, but. You know, we'll see what happens in the future. You never know, you know. Um, you never know where you're going to end up. And, and I'm sure I'll be coaching somewhere again, somewhere soon. 
Keith, uh, with your with your expertise with the game, you think that the style of the style that it is there would evolve if you had something else different? I mean, it is arena style, and you just said it earlier that if somebody came in and really modified that, it would be a kind of a, a unique game because it is seven on seven, but it's still uh, arena style, and it would be probably effective, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a huge believer in the in the concept of that league. Um, I think a couple things need to be tweaked a little bit. Um, the uniform, uh, not just leggings, but I think they need better equipment. I'm not saying full helmets. I'm not saying full gear. I, I don't think that would be – that would sell enough. Um, I, I feel that that women playing football, you need to know they're women playing football, not – in full gear where you can't tell if it's a guy or a girl. I think that people watch women playing football enjoy the fact that it's women playing football. Just like in basketball, they can look and say, okay, there's, that's women playing basketball or softball. To cover them up in full gear with equipment that's designed for men is not the answer. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't sell. The game is, is very slow. Um, the outdoor game, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't translate well. But the seven-on-seven, seven, Women's football, indoor women's football, arena-type football will work. It's, it's, it's a great product with some tweaking of some of the rules and the equipment. I'm 100% convinced that, that that type of game, that type of league would be sustainable. So, Keith, the debate would be Mitchell not welcoming that idea, which seems kind of mind-blowing to think that, feedback from every coach you would ha- it would help you increase your revenue at the same time and then elevate your branding you know, and all the positives you know, but you would think that that would be the case but it right you would think that's the case but again you know common sense doesn't rule the LFL and one of the things we used to always say about the, the ownership of the LFL is they're too busy tripping over nickels to pick up pennies and wow. they just yeah it's just there's no future there's, it's all about the immediate dollar, you know. Um, and, and there's no growing the game, you know. It, it's just it's. I remember my very first year, and this I should have known this about the NFL because I quit right after that. Was uh, our first year? We went to the championship. We went down to Florida. It was the side of the Super Bowl, and we were playing the same Miami, and they, we ended up playing at the Hard Rock Casino Arena in Fort Lauderdale, I think it was. And we had the semifinals, the conference playoffs, we played Miami. And there was probably 30 people in the stands. And, I'm, and I said to Mitch, I said, this, you have a captive audience here. You have a captive audience. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of people in town, you know, for the Super Bowl. I said, have some people go along and just give away tickets and pack that place. It was the very first year of the league, and he wouldn't do it. And, and so the championship game, we probably had 50 people there. And it's like, you know, again, it's all about the immediate dollar. It's not about expanding the game, you know, and, and, and growing the LFL into what it could be. It's, it's all about immediacy, and, and it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And there's a lot of people that feel the same way. So, you know, as she mentioned earlier before about, you know, is there people salvageable in the LFL? And, you know, absolutely. There's a lot of great people involved in the league. There are, and, you know, 
Mitch, we might not agree about the football, but he's he's a good businessman. He's making money for himself, and and that's what it's all about, I guess. Is is he wants to make money, but stop saying it's about building the brand and increasing the exposure of women's football because that's not what the LFL is. And it's it's been the same tune over nine years, and that's the reason that I've always debated. It's like at what point do you just use hype? That's my word now. It's just hype. You you post yeah, out a, it, a press post and whatever, it's hype, but it never ends up being. I mean, 2024, you're going to expand to a 2014 league? I mean, you're talking out of your ass, basically. That's just it, reality right there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, come on. And we would, all, we would all just laugh. We would all laugh at it. Yeah, what Kool-Aid? What Kool-Aid is that? I mean, what? Yeah. Just laugh. It's it's another stupid post, like I said earlier. If it's not the bobblehead, it's the video game. It's not the video game. It's the calendar. Calendar, it's expansion. If it's not expansion, it's, you know, we're going to be on TV. If it's not, we're going to be on TV. It's the bogus all-star game that never comes to fruition. You know, it's, 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 it's carrots dangling in front of players. That's all it is to keep people involved. And, I, and 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 what I was telling some players earlier this year when we were you know after we had quit was that many of you believe in the same things we're, we're saying here now that the LFL is not doesn't care about you could care less about you you know the girls have no insurance they don't get paid all this stuff right. but they still keep playing they still keep playing because they love football and that's why you know if another league came to fortune you know and and the, the entire league would the LFL would collapse. They all want out. There's just nowhere to go. And you know, from coaches to players, it's all the same. It, it's 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 a house of cards. But unfortunately, he's got the only ball in town right now, and that's just where everybody's got to go. I just chose I didn't want to yeah. be part of it anymore. And and myself and the coaches, we, you know, we're more football purists. You know, we we want we want to advance the game and not sit there and say we want to advance the game. You know, no, I agree with so you. Right? I, when you when you made the announcement, Keith, when you made the announcement, that was huge. You know, I was sitting back uh, in a meeting, and somebody said, "Hey, uh, check out the Instagram post by Hack." And then I'm like, uh, "No, this is not real, is it?" You know, because I'm you know kind of ready for 2019 or whatever that kind of deal. And when I saw your post, and then ready reading the post. Um, it said a lot, you know, and it was very nicely, you know, posted and it said a lot. And so to me, that's like bombshell because Chewy had left just prior to you. And so it really didn't, you know, for me, it was like, okay, Michelson's gone because that's really what had happened prior. Chewy is gone. Had talking, I was talking to him a long time ago and he felt the same way uh, with the temptation and all that thing. And then all of a sudden you decide to leave and, and so this is really, I think, of, you know, Mitchell might not think of it as a big deal, but this is a, a big deal because he loses a lot of credibility on the coaching end. Yeah, but the one thing I know about Mitch is he could give a shit about us. He doesn't. He doesn't wow. care. He, he feels everybody from coaches to players to vendors, everybody is replaceable. He, he has in his mind – there's this endless amount of coaches and players and vendors and that want to be part of the LFL. And it's, you go ahead, you, you go ahead, man, knock yourselves out, find coaches and players who are willing to put the time and effort into this league as we did for the little amount. At least the coaches got a little bit of money, but 
to get something out of it. And now we put these ridiculous uh, off-season programs in place and a limited amount of games. And it's just, you know what, man? If we were the one last year, we were we were quitting last year. We just decided to stick yeah, yeah. around another year because we got upset in the playoffs by Atlanta. And we're like, we're not going to go out like that. And then as the season was going on, it 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 became so difficult to keep the team together because the Blitz are a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans who are sick and tired of the league. And we kept them yep. together. We shielded them away from a lot of the nonsense with the with the league. The league requires each girl to sell 30 tickets and, and, and promote, you know, all these promote, ridiculous promoting events. And, and for what? And, and the players are just sick of it. So this last year was a real grind for us. And to win it, was was very satisfying, but we knew. We were just like, unless it was a wholesale change, and those, again, promises of changes and stuff. So we didn't say anything for a while, and then some stuff happened. Um, again, that the implementation of this ridiculous off-season program and some other stuff had happened that we were just, enough, enough, we're just tired of it. Nothing's going to ever change in this league. And, and, and players who continue, and I'm stunned at some of these players that are coming back into the league now that were gone who did nothing but bitch and moan about the league, and now here they are coming back. It just it blows my mind. It really does. So hypocrisy is the word? That, is that the word you want to use? Oh, it's still hypocrisy. <laughs> Complete and absolute. And I don't care. A lot oh, of my God. out to me asking me, you know, what was going on with the league. And, I, and, I, and the league even reached out to me and said, you, were, you said you weren't going to say anything negative about the league. I said, hey, listen, I'm not going to say anything publicly negative about the league, but if people reach out to me privately and ask me, I'm going to tell them the truth. Because I know a lot about that league, a lot. Sure. And I know everything that went on behind the doors and, and what went on. And, you know, and finally, I, I had enough. I've had enough. And, and you know, when, he, when people would leave the league and Mitch would bash them, and go ahead, bash me all you want, man. My record speaks for itself. You know, you can say what you want. Yeah, but, unfortunately, you know, that's not, not going to be – that's not going to be a very good thing. <laughs> There's no way no, you can we, bash we four championships the and the record we, you we set forth. That would be a full right, move. We put, we, you know, we went out of our way to put good, quality football teams on the field. That's what we did. That's what we were all about was the football. And, and, I, and I know we achieved that. We did. We, we, and we, we did. We sold our tickets. We, we had great crowds at, 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 our, at our arenas and – the girls did a great job. But to, to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and demanding more and more and more and not getting anything from it and no future of it, it was enough. It was just enough for all of us. And not just for myself, but the other coaches and, and a lot of the players. And to see some of these, you know, other coaches and players returning to the league and, and, and continue on with the league after what I've heard them say and do is, to me, hypocrisy to no end. But I guess they all want to make Mitch money because that's all they're doing is making him money. So good luck. I hope I'm number one on the LFL blacklist because I don't give a shit about the LFL anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Keith. Um, Keith, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you. Uh, it's a great season, holiday season for you too. You have a family edition as well. I saw that on your Instagram. So uh, really nice that uh, I think your daughter, right? Yeah, grandson is the grandson yeah. now. Yes, I, uh, I have a I have a beautiful granddaughter now. Her name is Sunny Ann, and uh, you know all my girls, all my three daughters now live in California. Just ironically, how they all ended up there. So, but I still plan on staying in Chicago. Um, 
you know, I, this is where I was born and raised in this area, and I'm going to stay here. Uh, but, uh, yes, Sunny Ann, so I will be going out and visiting her if, uh, you know, in between my future, whatever my future football brings. That's awesome to hear. Um, but, Coach, I really, really wanted to bring you up just to, you know, uh, give you your dues. Uh, awesome, awesome job that you did when your tenure with the LFL. Uh, on top of that, the amazing uh, things that you did for each and every player that I've, you know, like I said, have expressed to me. And I think uh, that is probably the ultimate thing that, on a positive note, is that you one of the greatest coaches to ever play, uh, I mean, ever coached the teams and that and the players that obviously impacted uh, the league in itself, and a lot of names uh, from this league in history that will go down, and and that uh, you're attached to them. So that's a great honor. Yeah, you know, it, it, in the end, that's what I. That's all I cared about was just I wanted to, the girls to when they left the LFL or went and whatever they ended up doing in life was to know that they were coached as football players and I wanted to always treat them as football players. And, and I always saw that was so different with women. A lot of people have always asked me, what's the difference between coaching guys and girls. And with women, it was just, they, they just had this, this want, this, this desire that is, is hard to, to find in, in a lot of players. It really is. But women just, they, they want to learn how to play football. They want to be football players so badly and and that was what I, we we cared about. We just wanted to coach them as 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 women playing football, and and it was a uh, it was it was a joy. It really was. You know, I can't say I'm done coaching women playing football, but I know I'm done in the LFL. But you know, whatever the future may hold, you know. But I always just wanted to have them be treated and coached as as football players. Keith, uh, on your sound bites, uh, you got those recorded or what? Archived or anything? Because those are those are uh, like almost Vince Lombardi like. Oh, I have a million of them, man. <laughs> the girls used to make fun of me because I would like, I'd have like these certain things I'd always bring up to them, you know. And uh, you know, one of the things I always told them is you cannot pick and choose when you're going to be a good teammate. Either you are or you are not. It it doesn't change with the time or anything it's either you're good foot that's good teammate or you're not and that's just some of the things we tried to teach these players it's just what the game of football was all about it's the true team game and you know I think for the most part they they enjoyed their time with us and they won obviously they won championships and uh, they left being better players than when they arrived and that's that's all we could ask for Keith, what do you say about the groupy uh, coaching staff that you had, your friends? I mean, that's a lot of, uh, what do you call it, comfort zone in a way, too, because the reliabilities there where they, they know what they're doing. So you built a really yeah, good, so, uh, you know, group around you yeah, girls, to really get that yeah, impact. The girls, yeah, the girls used to call it the boy band. And uh, it, was, it, was, it, it grew through the years, uh, you know, but it's always been former players of mine. Um, that have all played for me in the past and knew how I am and, and you know, what the ultimate goal was is to win a championship. And, you know, with all the, the other stuff aside, the, the only thing that mattered was winning a championship. Everything else, you know what, it's, 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 it is what it is. And, you know, one of the things we used to say to the players 
and I used to say this to the guys and the girls, and it, it rang true. And I guess this really sums up what the blitz and every team I've ever had is all about. Is I used to tell them, if you're a starter in week three and a better player shows up in week four, guess who's playing in week five? The better player. Every single time because it's about winning championships. And either you raise your game to be part of that or we move along. And and as far as the boy band was concerned, they've all been there. Every one of them was, has played for me and have gotten the other part of it that's not real pretty, you know, if they don't do their jobs. But they all knew what, what the expectations were. And they were like me. They were driven with the, the fundamentals of football and teaching these girls the right way to play football. And I can't say that's the case with a lot of these teams in the LFL. You know, they don't coach these girls like they should be coached. And we were emphatic with our, our desire for fundamentals and safe, clean football. And to see some of these players in this league and their dirty tactics was never going to fly with us. And we tried to raise the entire game across the league by forcing them to either play to our level or we just roll over you. And those guys, the guys that coach with me, they all knew that. They, 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 again, they all played for me, so they all won championships with me in the past. You know, uh, this fourth league championship with the Bliss was my eighth league championship that I've won through the last, you know, my 15, 16 years of coaching. So, you know, I know what it takes to win. I know what it takes to build a football team. I know what it takes to build a, a great quality coaching staff. And every one of those guys had just an important part as the other guy. And and I, I cannot say enough about them. All right. So, Keith, thank you for making the time today. I really appreciate it coming on. Uh, like I said, I really wanted to give you a platform there, and you're just, just due. Uh, what a legendary career. Uh, a fan favorite a lot as well. And so, uh, you know, hats off to you for making such a big difference in, in the sport, but overall, for all those athletes that you coached. And uh, it was, it's an honor for me to speak to you today and a privilege to, uh, um, you know, be with you today in terms of discussing your career. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Have a great uh, 2019. We'll touch base again in the future if that's the case and uh, talking to maybe some college football and bring you on because that will be very interesting. Absolutely. And don't forget, Bears. It's all about the Bears. Oh, my God, Keith. Go Rams. Go Rams, Keith. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But thanks for having me. All right, I appreciate Keith. it. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Right, take care. All right, guys. Uh, coach, legendary LFL coach Keith Hack of the former Chicago Bliss, four-time champion of the Legends Football League, Legends Cup. And I uh, wanted to bring him on because this is really what it's all about. It is about just addressing the fact that you're looking at a league, 10-year anniversary of this league, and the reason I brought him on is because he left this league. How does a championship coach with a championship pedigree that has impacted a lot of teams with high-caliber football just decides to leave, just decides to hang it up? And there's the answer. The answer is right there. I brought him on so that everybody can hear it, not just from me, not just from all these people that – had claimed that I was, you know, so negative and uh, against the league and everything else. No, the reality is that, is that this league is not going to go forward unless Mitchell Mortaza steps up, does a real business plan, incorporates the player to elevate a big, big deal. He talks about how he wants to be like the NFL. 
He is far from the NFL because if he was like the NFL, you would have already had a player inclusion. You've already had a coaching pedigree that would take you to the next level. But as to Coach Keith Hack's response here, nobody cares about anybody else, but Mitchell Mortaza only cares about himself. There's a couple circle, small circle group of him that obviously uh, acknowledge what he's doing and everything seems to be okay. But the overall majority of this brand and this league and these players could be better off if he decided to open up and be more open about it and really go into the grind mode to make it a staple league that is elevating. You don't go to another level and then you retract. I mean, that's what happened with the leggings. You go to one step further with the leggings, you find a way to stay there and go over. You're not going to appease the hardcore LFL fan that was before. And if you go back that route, then why are you going forward? you know, in hyping up all the stuff that's going to happen. It's never going to happen if you don't include a player inclusion and if you don't include a coaching combined as a unit. You've got to have ownership players and as one going forward with ideas and feedback. And that's not happening. So, you know, if you're listening, Mitchell, you've got a lot to learn because obviously, you know, you're okay, you're greedy about it. But if you want to get the LFL to another level and to be the focus of women's tackle football and really at an arena-style mentality and be successful at it even more, you got to include the players and the coaches, and you got to get a group of circle of real feedback so that you can get to another level. Hype and post and promises and all this stuff equals to one thing that Keith Hack just said. It's a bunch of lies. So get it together. Or you're gonna not gonna do anything really at this point. I mean, there's just disappointing. It's really what it is. And so I've been saying that for nine years. I've been challenged on it for nine years. Uh, you know, all this stuff happens. I'm not here to be negative because I know every athlete that's played in this league is outstanding. I know every coach that is coached in this league wanted to go to the next level and do it, make it right. But it is the owner that needs to look himself in the mirror and see what he wants to do. Does he really want to be a team player or does he want to be himself on the line, just a greedy person? So that's really what it boils down to. Um, so NFL wildcard weekend is going to come up this uh, this coming weekend. We're all excited for it. So uh, looking forward to it. I know my Rams are looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it because I know it's going to be awesome. And so I don't know if anybody else, but I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, but it's just, it's going to be an awesome weekend of NFL uh, wild card weekend and some of the games that happened this past weekend really impactful Seattle really took care of care of, of Arizona that really put them into a playoff mode the Titans really just stepped it up 33-17 they have come and risen above uh, in terms of you know getting to another level with um, Andrew Luck coming through and really making an impact right now in terms of getting the Colts into another um, step forward in terms of the playoff pictures and, and everything else. And so you, you can't say enough about Indianapolis. I think that's probably one of the surprising teams uh, it, late coming back. We all had written off, I think, Andrew Luck at some point. But, you know, Peter record against the Titans, more impressive. And that puts the Colts in the playoffs. And overall, I think Frank, uh, Frank Wright uh, really has to be given credit um, because he's one of the you know, key coaches that has made this change. Um, some of the things, the opposite of the Vikings, 
you know, uh, in terms of where they were and where they're, they're going, the Bears, I mean, Coach uh, Nagy has made a huge improvement there. And as uh, Coach Keith Hack just left here, the Bears, watch out for the Bears. It's really going to be a really, really good um, situation here with the wild card and how it's going to pan out in terms of what's going to happen. So uh, AFC first round by, uh, obviously Kansas City gets the first round by at 12-4-0. Uh, then you get second seed Patriots, 11-5-0. and Then on the NFC first round by, it is the Saints, as we were talking about earlier. Then the Rams get the first round by. So AFC wild card weekend is six seed. The Indianapolis Colts, like I said, red-hot Colts right now, really uh, with Andrew Luck and company really getting it together here. Um, they're going to be taking on Houston, the third seed, 11-5. and five. That is a great matchup right there that we need to look forward to. I mean, uh, I think Indianapolis has an edge there in terms of beating the Texans, but it's going to be a good game to watch. Um, then you had a fifth seed Chargers, 12-4-0, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens defense there. So good game right there. Yeah, it's, it's the San Diego bandwagon that has started in the NFL. Everybody assumes that Philip Rivers and company, uh, Melvin Gordon, everybody uh, just assumes Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers are just up for this. And I don't know if I'm on the bandwagon as much as everybody else is, but I do know that the Ravens cannot be underrated. And Jackson, with the way he's been playing the last couple games and the defense the way it's been playing, um, it's going to be a big, big battle. So San Diego, Baltimore will be the game to watch. I think Indianapolis and Tex uh, against Houston. It's going to be another key matchup in the AFC uh, wildcard race. Um, and then in the NFC wildcard, uh, Nick Foles and company, they take on uh, the Chicago Bears. This could be Chicago's promise. If they don't go through it here, Philly can really sneak up. Philly's got nothing to lose here, especially with their season. Wentz going down and now Foles in the, in the mix. Uh, Trubisky really has to shine here because defensively they've been playing a really good game. So Chicago, it is Chicago's trap game is what I want to call it now. If, if they don't execute at a high level, this could be a trap game for one and out, and they're done. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see that. Then you have fifth seed Seattle, who has battled to get here, uh, has played good ball. We all knew Pete Carroll wasn't done. Uh, one of the, uh, I think, stats that I saw overall was, one of the quarterbacks that has been standing still is Russell Wilson. Out of every other elite quarterback, here we are, Russell Wilson in the playoffs, uh, it, considering every other quarterback is not an elite quarterback or making the big money, um, you know, besides Brady and, and, and company. But uh, they're taking on Dallas. Dallas earns this NFC East title, I think, really by default because Washington and Philly just – couldn't get it together in the middle of the season, and it just, you know, Dallas sneaks in, and they get their NFC uh, NFC East championship, which, you know, hats off to them for doing what they got to do. But um, it's Dallas's game to prove that they belong in the playoffs. It is Seattle's game to prove that they deserve to be here after a hot-fought fight, and one or the other is going to meet up the Saints or the Rams. Uh, interesting situation here. If Seattle does win, Against Dallas, we are looking at maybe a, uh, you know, Seattle versus Saints or Seattle versus the Rams type scenario. Uh, and so it's the same concept there. 
We'll see how that turns out. But they could be the sleeper in terms of the NFC. So that's how the playoff picture uh, turns out. The Chiefs uh, basically um, hammered the Raiders, locked up top seed in the AFC, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and, and obviously you can't see enough of pa- Patrick Mahomes. And then the Patriots clinched the AFC East last week as they snuffed out the Jets to clinch their first-round bye for what feels like a year in a row for uh, New England, which they keep winning. Uh, so the Pats have never won a Super Bowl without having a first-round bye, so that's a pretty awesome stat there. The Texans hammered the Jaguars to get here and Blake Bortles, which shouldn't have been surprising. Uh, and so putting the Jaguars, I, I mean, that, what a disappointing season for them. So the Texans are basically the team that really needs to kind of prove themselves. The Ravens survived a scare from the Browns uh, with a late defensive stop and a guaranteed, uh, obviously, spot in the playoffs. And what can you say about the Browns? Just on a side note here, um, May- Mayfield and company on and up and up, and uh, Cleveland cannot be any better. And then they're probably going to get great Williams as coach. So we'll see how that pans out in Cleveland. But you can only uh, – you know, be excited for Cleveland Brown fans for next year, considering what's being being done right now. Uh, Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers snuck past, uh, snuck past Denver in a game that ultimately didn't matter with the Chiefs steamrolling the Raiders and winning the AFC West. So the sleeper in the AFC, everybody's kind of pinpointing all over the media that the Chargers are the sleeper team that's going to just go all the way. Um, and then Indianapolis, the Colts manhandling the Titans on Sunday with Andrew Luck outdoing uh, Blaine Gabbert, of all people, <laughs> for a win and a playoff berth and Frank Wright's first year, which is very impressive. So the win sets up the Colts to play the Texans for the third time this season. So it's a rematch here. And so what a game it's going to be for Colts versus Texans. So really, really good. Who's eliminated? The Antonio Brown drama Pittsburgh Steelers is eliminated uh, from the playoffs. Uh, that's going to be a story that's been lingering for the whole week. We'll keep up on it, and next week we'll kind of talk about it as well, more with the panel. But really, well, that's what it boils down to. And the NFC, like I said, the Saints didn't play any of, any of their starters and, and got smashed by the by the Panthers. Uh, but uh, you know, it is what it is. They've already they're in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. A loss for them there, we didn't even care. Just heal up the guys and get them ready. The Rams locked up the NFC West, uh, you know, weeks ago. The only real problem I have with my team is defensively, can they, can they step up in the playoffs? Because if they don't, uh, they're allowing 20, 25, 30, almost 50 points. You know, they've been allowing over 25 points a game on defense, which not a good sign if they go up against the Bears again or if they go against uh, the Saints. So that's really going to be the, kind of the difference will be, can they, you know, be better on defense? The Bears take care of business against the Vikings, stopping out their divisional rival and sweeping Minnesota right out of the playoffs, in turn helping the Eagles into the playoffs. Um, Nick Foles, can it be a miracle number two for him to take the uh, Eagles into into a deeper state into the playoffs? So uh, Philadelphia against Chicago. It's going to be interesting to see if the Eagles can – somehow get past the Bears. If they do, this is going to be very interesting. Uh, the Cowboys had nothing to play for at all, and they played their starters their entire game. So good momentum there against a bad Giants team. So uh, they, they get on their 10 wins with Jason Garrett. Uh, you've heard McKenzie. You've heard uh, Luis. Everybody in Dallas wants Jason Garrett gone. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's not gone. He's here. 
and he's keeping another another year of his job. So there <laughs> says a lot about Cowboy fans in terms of feel about their coach. Um, the Seattle Seahawks locked down the number five seed with a win over the Cardinals, which was uh, which was a very tough battle there, 27-24. And although they would have been in the fifth seed anyways uh, when with the Minnesota loss, but they battle back. They get their 10 wins. Pretty impressive in the last uh, couple five games of the season. So this is a scary team. This is some uh, team that we need to watch for. Uh, the Eagles were dead weeks ago. Um, never gave up. Like I said, Nick Foles and company. Now they go to the Bears. Uh, so as much as it becomes a dangerous team. Uh, in the NFC disappointment, Minnesota, as they started out in the beginning of the year, and all of a sudden they lose out. Atlanta, of all teams, not here. Uh, Green Bay in the NFC with uh, Rodgers and company with injuries there and obviously Coach McCarthy being canned. Um, so that didn't help either. But uh, that's the, the scenario and, the, and what's happening in the NFL for this coming week um, in terms of the wild card games. So we'll be on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Uh, we'll check it out there with the rest of the crowd, the NFL crowd at uh, Pro Football Guru um, and everybody else that's part of the Paul, uh, Paul, Pro Football Guru um, group as well. And so we'll chat out there in terms of uh, the Saturday slate and kind of hang out and see what's going to happen in terms of the wild card weekend. But it's going to be an interesting weekend for sure. Um, looking forward to um, Chicago versus the Eagles, uh, as well as looking forward to um, the Colts against the Texans, third time in a row there. Who will go to where? And that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Kansas City, as we said before, in. Uh, Patriots, in. Saints, in. And uh, the Rams, are in. So that's pretty interesting uh, in terms of scenarios that are happening there. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking uh, Alliance of American Football. We haven't talked about it yet, uh, as much here, but within this this month, uh, we're going to be talking Alliance of American Football. Uh, Jen, Walker, uh, Jen Walter was uh, basically uh, assigned now, and she's on the staff of the Atlanta Legends of the AAF. So uh, we'll be talking about that situation there. And she's also part of the group that's obviously heading the WNFC for 2019. Um, so let's go into the women's news and notes here as I have them down written down here. Uh, Brooke Leash, our no joke football phenom uh, was and is in the we ready NFL commercial that came out this past weekend. We can be, uh, can't be so much proud of her in terms of what she's done. She's going to impact mile high as much as possible there. And what can we say about Monhal Blaze? So uh, Gwen uh, uh, Flato out there, she's been doing an awesome job with uh, Monhal Blaze. And the news came out today or yesterday that there, uh, Nine News in Denver is going to be doing a three-part documentary on the Monhal Blaze. And obviously that's going to include Brooke as well within the group of the Monhal Blaze uh, athletes. So congratulations to her and uh, what she's doing there in terms of the WFA D2 with the Mile High Blaze. Really hard owner, uh, very hardworking, and uh, her players are the same way. So there you go for uh, Mile High Blaze. Shout out to them for doing an awesome job. And then uh, we're going to be discussing next week on the panel this Minnesota Vixen IWFL transgender lawsuit incident that happened. And I wanted to get everybody's take next week as we get the panel back. But it's an interesting piece. You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. It is posted on there. You can read it up. 
and uh, see what you think about it as well so we can get some opinions going there. You can post your opinions on the piece there via the post on the comment box and tell us a little bit about what you, your thought process are there. But uh, it's pretty interesting, uh, and it kind of puts it in perspective as to why the IWFL isn't here today and the things that are that were happening prior to that league. Um, you can check it out, and we'll kind of discuss it, like I said, next week in terms of what happened there. It's a Minnesota Vixen uh, IWFL lawsuit, um, and so uh, it's, uh, it's right on our uh, page at the uh, Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties, so check it out there. We're going to be launching our YouTube channel revamp on our YouTube channel, so check it out at uh, YouTube. Uh, just plug in Gridiron Beauties videos, shared videos of amazing women playing American football globally on our YouTube channel at Gridiron Beauty. So check it out there if you haven't done it yet. Don't forget to follow us on um, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Snapchat as well. As we go 20,000 strong, going towards 21,000 to 24,000 is our goal by the end of the year to try to get and elevate our social media marketing level to another level. So uh, don't – also, if you're on Apple Podcasts right now, you can do a review for us. Uh, negative or positive, doesn't matter to us at this point. Hopefully, it's more positive than negative. Uh, who do you like? Who do you enjoy us on the podcast, whether it be uh, Troy Wilson, Louise Bean, Holly Custis, Mackenzie Brooks? Just give us a nice review on our Apple podcast. It kind of elevates our awareness of our podcast as well as elevates the awareness of uh, women's American football in, in terms of social media and podcast platforms. Uh, also, we're on TuneIn, Player FM and on Block Talk Radio as always. So really, really good. And all our network partners, um, you know, Happy New Year to everybody for getting us here. All the network partners that we have that feed us information, stories, videos, and everything that we can share with you at the hub at Great Iron Beauties. I really want to thank everybody to, to do that. Our partners, Zazzle.com, for being our partner for almost 10 years. Check out our stuff at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. Order your stuff. If you don't order anything, order the No Joke Football brand shirt. It is the, um, you know, legendary shirt. It's about 25 bucks, and you get 20% off. So get it for under 20 bucks and uh, get supported. Post a pic out there, and we'll share it for you as well. Uh, don't forget to check out our No Joke Football brand on Facebook. It's No Joke Football. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash No Joke Football. So check it out there as well. Um, the other thing that's coming up this weekend is a huge clash. It is the CIFAF championship the italian championship coming up serene milano taking on underdogs the bologna and that's going to be a real big battle for the rose bowl 2019 the cifaf championship january 5th and it's coming up this coming week you can check out the uh, great film piece that was done by nfl films courtesy of nasica del orto on our facebook page at the hub and you can check it out there it's really nice piece emotional it is the reality of women's football. It is how some leagues get started. It is reality of how uh, some leagues evolve. And it is the future of the sport. So it has happened in Mexico. It has happened in Costa Rica. It has now happened in Guam. It has happened in Australia. It has happened in Italy. And that piece right there that uh, Nausicaa did, which is exceptional, kind of showcases exactly what happens at the, at the very beginnings of a women's football league or women's gridiron league in various parts of the, of the countries that are evolving into a league or having to play and how hard it is just to get equipment, 
how hard it is to get supported and how hard it is to get to the next level of, of acceptance. So she, she did an amazing job there. Hats off to her for doing that piece. And if you watch it, um, you will be emotionally, you know, taken by it because it is what it is. And that's how things sometimes happen and how it changes an individual uh, from a status of not playing football to now loving football to wanting to excel even more in football and how it changes you in your everyday life. So it is very powerful. So I would encourage you guys to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash beauties and check out the Nausicaa del Orto, del Orto NFL Films piece on the beginnings of women's gridiron in Italy. So really awesome piece that was done there. We're going to get back into action in Gridiron West starting next week as uh, Gridiron West resumes action in January, and we'll go ahead and cover that up and, and uh, kind of piece it up together for that week, and then we'll get you going there. The other feature that was in our hub at Facebook.com Gridiron Beauties was the feature of Chochel Huerta, which is one of the pioneer women that played in the States uh, a while back, a couple years ago, 10 or so years, also played in the WFA, and now she's coaching in Mexico, and she is really trying to elevate the sport and trying to get the recognition that the girls deserve. Um, it was The piece was done and covered and, and done by Animal Politico, which is shared by uh, a couple folks to us. And so what an, a great piece there, kind of expressing herself in a term of how it's going to evolve that women really want to play football but they really want to be coached by women that play football. So if it makes sense there. So there's a lot of leagues in Mexico now brewing in terms of NFL full kit. You got FXX, you have Lexfa in all regional status, Yalafai. Um, and so you got the, Canadian, the Caribbean football league over in Yucatan. So there's a lot of leagues in Mexico brewing because they want to get to the next stage of IFAB and the IFAB national team. And that's what they're up to especially after they won bronze. So they're, they're really excited about how that's going to change. But the piece really featured her in terms of what she's contributing to the game and how her vision is that this, you know, the, the women's game should be elevated to an elite level, just like the men's and be supported and at the same level, same concept in Mexico that you have in the States where there is no NTA backing, there is no, a backing of that sort. Some schools in Mexico, some universities in Mexico, I might say, do support some of the clubs and give their respective names, but not fully. So that's the issue that we have, not just in U.S., but in Mexico as well and other countries, the fact that the there is no support on the women's side. And you would be mind-blowing because every university, NCAA, or every university, you know, in any other state supports basketball, supports lacrosse, supports volleyball all these other sports but when it comes to supporting the women's game in american football uh that lacks and that is never happening for some reason so it's kind of mind-blowing with all the millions of dollars that universities have you would think uh a women's program in collegiate level type of mentality would have already been put in place uh because of title line and everything else that's happening or that it has happened but it's not the case so uh a lot of things to be done in terms of getting the awareness of uh, women playing American football. And so that's what we're at about, and that's what we're about at the Hub at Great Iron Beauties. So check us out, share our posts, 
a like us, share it with your friends, invite your friends over so they are aware of stuff. Um, if you go to the, the Facebook page as well, uh, shout out to Stevie Snore, getting ready for the off season, perfect shape, uh, awesome abs. This girl works out all the time. She even plays rugby too, tough cookie. So shout out to Stevie Snore out there, the bull. And so uh, what an awesome piece there, and she's just a great, great athlete. The other piece we added there was uh, Jane Caldwell, obviously, <laughs> Monday Motivation, one of our popular posts that we had in a long time, so check it out. And then we have an, a real 2019 message by uh, Gridiron Queensland and VP Ayla Cook of the Bayside Ravens. Check it out. It's gonna, it's pretty awesome. So read it up, and it's a very good message for 2019, very inspirational. So great job, uh, Ayla Cook, for putting that out there. And then check out the New Year's wishes from all the women's gridiron teams, uh, championship teams as well, like the Berlin Cobras, uh, that uh, we're doing that for the holiday season. So really, really awesome. So uh, if you guys haven't uh, figured it out, you're listening to the best podcast covering women's American football and talking NFL weekly right here on Block Talk Radio, Player FM, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. So next week we should have the whole uh, crowd back in, Troy Wilson, college football guru, uh, Louise Bean, Hall of Famer and uh, WNFC Utah Falcons, and then Mackenzie Brooks, WFA Iowa Phoenix, and then uh, obviously Holly Custis was here with us, Hall of Famer and WNFC Seattle Majestics. So it's going to be a great uh, panel next week as we're going to talk college football, recap the New Year's Day game between uh, Alabama and Clemson. Then we're going to be talking NFL Walkhard weekend as we get close to that. Antonio Brown situation in Pittsburgh, which is probably highlighted all week. Uh, I want to thank Keith Hack for coming in today and kind of give us his insights, his uh, you know view of what he has done in the LFL and what the LFL should have been, could have been, and was not. And so I really appreciate him. And he's an awesome coach, a Stanley, outstanding individual, has changed a lot of lives with a lot of players in his tenure, four championships to his credit probably one of the highest benchmarks in this league that will probably never be equaled. And so hats off to him for his awesome work, his outstanding, standing job with uh, individuals and elevating those players to another level and also giving them a, a situation where they're better as human beings out on the um, everyday workforce. So, uh, you know, congratulations to him. And then we talked to Angelica Grayson, one of the uh, pioneers way back to Dallas Diamonds, as well as, part of the championship teams in the Dallas elite of the WFA. And now she's looking forward to the WNFC Texas elite Spartans. Uh, Grayson, an outstanding athlete. Uh, she's also, you know, like I said, a pioneer in the sport. She's done a lot of great things and uh, what an honor to have her in the first class of the hall of fame as well. A well deserving honor. And so congratulations to Angelica Grayson for her outstanding uh, work in women's gridiron and representing her clubs out in great standing. So uh, that's it for me. It's going to be a great year. We are looking forward to some cool stuff coming up. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out our shop, I really appreciate you guys going there. Thanks to everybody that shopped during the holiday season. You can still take advantage of up to 20% off at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Um, if you want to go to the face Gridiron Beauties at the hub, just uh, click on the Shop Now tab. It'll get you there. Use the codes daily. You can save up to 20% off. Average T-shirts about $25 to $20 to $25. If you use the code, obviously you get it for under $20. Bucks. If you uh, subscribe to Zazzle Black, uh, it's $9.99 for the year. It's a great deal, and you get free shipping for the whole 12 months. 
and so in the U.S. as well. So check it out. Help out our project grow and bring awareness to the sport. And uh, we look forward to another edition of the Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and Block Talk Radio next week as we bring the, uh, the whole clan back. And we're going to be talking episode 255 and NFL as well as college football. So uh, we'll catch you here next week, you guys. Have a great night.